And I'm, okay, there I am. Hey, guys, what's up? I, I was sitting over here worshiping. Well, first of all, in the band of rocks, didn't they do an amazing job? Not killer. So, but I was like, you know what, man? I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it yet. We just need, I feel like we need to continue to worship. So you guys still want to worship? You want to do another song? All right. Um, well, you know, something that the band does in practice, I, you know, since I'm on stage and I'm in charge, I got the power up here. I think we're going to do this. They can fire me after the service. So this is what we're going to do. Band, you know, we always want to just switch instruments. Why don't you guys just switch around, do whatever, what you've been just longing to do, all right? And uh, why don't you guys stand on your feet? You guys ready to worship? You want to do one more song? Um, let's see. Let's do, uh, let's do Enough, the song Enough. We did that earlier. Man, you know, there's something about that song. So, all right, guys, dude, let's just worship. Let's just worship. more than enough. Okay, okay. Um, thank you guys. I think, I think that's it. I think we don't need to worship anymore. I think it kind of killed it. I think, it. I think it's gone. It's gone. I think the angels just went to another church down the street. So it's like, you know, no thank you guys. Um, obviously we did that on purpose. Yeah, you can give my hand if you want. Because <laughs> here's the deal. Chris Carey, who plays drums, Wow, we have chimes like going crazy. <laughs> the angels truly did leave. They're like floating away. <laughs> but here's the deal. When Chris plays drums, what he's uniquely made to play, and when Elaine is on keyboards, not on drums, Elaine, what she's uniquely made for, we make beautiful music together. We make songs together. But when they're not doing what they're uniquely gifted to do, well, you heard it. You know what it sounded like. As today, you're uniquely made. You're uniquely crafted by God. The scriptures in the Psalms says that you're fearfully, creatively, wonderfully made. That in the wound, he saw you. He knew you. He spoke into you purpose. He spoke into you vision. He has something for your life. And guys, I don't know about you, but I hate going through life with that thing in me that's like, what's it all about? Why can't I do this? There's something that's waiting to explode. And I think it's God just wants to reach down and unlock us and say, I saw you when you were in the womb. I knew your name before your parents named you. I knew what you would be gifted at, what talents you have, what natural abilities you would have. I knew those things, and I have purpose for you. But we have a choice. We have a choice today to choose God's purpose for us. Think of just how God has designed everything uniquely. The stars, the skies, animals, just the cre- Like, what's a sloth all about, God? You know what? What's a, you know what's up with that? You know he's so amazing. The distant stars, and you know think about your fingerprints. If you just like hold up your finger, like oh hey, You're, it's unique to you. Your fingerprint is unique to you. No one else in this world has that same fingerprint. No one else that was living or passed or died, any of that, will have your unique fingerprint. God has crafted you. He's made you. I was reading a, an article in like a science journal, and they were talking about the whole fingerprint thing, and they're like, well. I guess nature just wasn't good enough to make us all the same. I was like, boring, what's up with that? No, we have an amazing God who's created each of you uniquely and gifted you and given you passions and desires. God did that. So what makes you you? Well, some of it is your talents, your gifts, your personality, your experiences, the good and the bad experiences. Those are the things that God is using to make you you. 
and the purpose that He has for your life. You see, you were made for a purpose, but you were specifically made for His purpose. You know, we're in this one life series. You have one life. You don't have two more lives. You're not going to be reincarnated. You have one life. You need to know what that fingerprint is, that special design that God put in you, because you only have one life to use. You only have one life to use. Hey, do I have any uh, Twilight fans in here? You can admit it. Now, what are the teams? It's like team... Yeah, I see some adults are like, me, team Edward. Uh. Well, this verse is for you. It's in the Bible, and I don't know if you know what reading rainbow is. This is why the Bible's never in reading rainbow, because it's verses like this. But it's in Ecclesiastes, and it says that the wise person thinks about death. So you twilight people are like, yeah, you know, any vampires in the room, you're like, sweet. So just joking, there's no such thing as vampires. But, um, but the wise person thinks about death. You're like, man, that's morbid. That says in the Bible? I thought the Bible was like, happy land. No. <laughs> it is happy in some, place, some places. <laughs> I guess I just said that. Here's the deal. That's not saying, think about death. Be this person that wears all black, like Johnny Cash, and you know, write depressing songs. That's not what it's talking about. I wear black, so any black-wearing people, it's cool. Anyway, what it's talking about is you only have one life. And guys, I hate to break the news to you, but as unique as we are, we have one thing in common. You know what it is? We're going to die. Hopefully not right now. But we're going to die. I hate to break it to you. We live our lives like it's not coming, but it's coming. I love this tombstone here. It said, uh, live to each day as if it were her last, especially this one. So, but, but here's the deal. You see that date on there? Most of it usually has a dash next to it. And it has that end date. This is the question. What did you do with that dash in between? It's not on this one. But I know on my tombstone it will be there. 1975 dash. I, I went to a worship conference um, this week. And I was listening to like an oldie station. I don't know why. Just change it up a little bit. And they were talking about how they're going to create this app for your smartphone. And this thing where you can go up to a gravestone. Just oddly enough, hearing this on the radio... And you can scan a gravestone, and it will tell you about that person. I was like, wow, you know, what is it going to say about Brian Stiverson? Like the Oklahoma Sooners, ate too much ice cream, played guitar. Is that it? I don't know about you, but I want my life to mean more than that. More than just, just eating and whatever it is that we do. Because I know that God's given me a purpose, and he's given each one. What, have you, what are you doing with that dash? What are you doing with your life? You only have one life to use. You see, Craig Rochelle says this, and I think it's pretty profound. We all end up somewhere, but few of us end up somewhere on purpose. If you really looked at your life, if you stood up right now and said, this is why I, I exist, this is my purpose, this is me. You see, God calls us to live on purpose, keeping the end in view. And that's all that's saying is what we've been saying, that dash in between. What did you do with your life? What did you do with the unique person that God created you to be? What did you do? You see, that uniqueness, as weird as it may be, was created by God. And you were born with purpose. In fact, using the word purpose, the Bible often calls it vision or revelation. And it's this word. It's called kazon. Now say it with me. You have to say it this way. Zone. To say it the Hebrew way. Ready? Zone. Now, if you're not spitting in, in, on the person in front of you, there's a problem. No, please don't do that. 
We don't want to knock out half of our congregation next Sunday because you spit on the person in front of you. But Kazon. And in fact, you know, we have a Spanish service and you want to be careful. Don't be like, man, we, we talked about Kazon today because you might say Kazonas, which is underwear, and they'll look at you strangely and be like, what? And be like, oh man, I'm a, I'm a boxer guy. Later. And you run out the door. So be careful. This is a dangerous word here. But it's Kazon. And all that means is that it's vision, it's dream, it's revelation, it's purpose. Think of Joseph in the Bible, this favored son, and God gives him this dream. It's a vision for his life. In fact, he really was too young, and he was really arrogant, and he wasn't ready for it. And God took him through all these trials. But he's a good example of a dream. Think of Moses. He has this crazy burning bush. Thank goodness that doesn't happen because we get locked up probably. But he has this, this burning bush where God gives him Kazon and says, Moses, this is your purpose. This is what's up. Nehemiah, in the Bible, it's this guy that he was just working for this foreign king, and he was a Jew. And he started to hear about how back in Jerusalem, the temple and the walls and everything was just broken down and, and sad. God's people were in distress, and where they were lived, the temple was in distress, and he, it burned with fire with him. And he just was passionate and says that he mourned because it broke his heart. And oftentimes we can find our cajon, or the kazon by what makes us angry or what gives us bliss. You see, with Nehemiah, it was something that brought sorrow to him and he was passionate about it. And so he went forth. Kazone. Remember that. You were born with Kazone. And God has a purpose for your life. And it's unique to you. And it's waiting to burst out. You need to discover and articulate that fingerprint, that unique fingerprint that God has for you. You see, Jesus knew it. He could say it out loud. He could write it down. In fact, he didn't need to write it down because his disciples wrote it down for him. That's how often he said what he said for them to write it down. See if you recognize this. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. I came to seek what was lost and find that was broken. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus knew these things. He could say it out loud. You see, there's creative power. God spoke the universe into being with words. Sometimes we don't put a lot of emphasis on words, but Jesus said we were going to be judged by our words. God also has a written word. It's important to write these things and articulate. If you, could you stand up and say, this is my purpose? This is my unique fingerprint? This is why I exist like Jesus could? There's power in saying it out loud. There's power in defining it and writing it down. Knowing your kazone leads you somewhere on purpose. Do you want to know how? Do you want to know how? Yeah. Well, I can't tell you. It's actually this group called Pass 4 that's on the 30th that we discover these things. No, it, it really is. But I'll tell you a little bit. I'm not going to give too much away, okay? But here's the deal. We tell it, we find our kazone by understanding and clarifying our passions, our gifting, our talents, our values and experiences. You see, here's the deal. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God above. But there's a lot of those gifts that he gives us that we haven't surrendered or consecrated to God. Consecrated is a weird word. It has a word picture that says to fill the hand of or to put in the hand of. And really it means to like set apart, be holy for special use. You see, there's a lot of gifts that you have that you haven't given to God yet. You haven't consecrated. You haven't laid down at his feet yet. And God wants to do that. And some of those gifts, when you don't have God's vision or kazone, they only serve our purpose, not his purpose. 
And God wants you to unveil that. Here's a, I want to show you a video. How many people have seen The Prince of Egypt? It's a story about Moses. I love it. And I'll just admit to you, I kind of like, I kind of cried a little bit during the parting of the Red Sea. It was so awesome, so powerful. But I love this movie. And this is a scene where Moses is receiving his kazon, where he's receiving his vision, purpose for his life. So would you watch this? Here I am. Take the sandals from your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. Who are you? I am that I am. I don't understand. I am the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You were born of my mother, you heaven. You are our brother. What do you want with me? I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt and have heard their cry. So I have come down to deliver them out of slavery and bring them to a good land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And so unto Pharaoh I shall send you. Me? Who am I to lead these people? They'll never believe me. They won't even listen. I shall teach you what to say. Let my people go. But I was their enemy. I was the prince of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've, you've chosen the wrong messenger. How, how can I even speak to these people? Who made man power? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go!
You see, I love this moment. It's a powerful moment. Moses is receiving this vision, kazon, this purpose for his life. But you know something? You know why he was in that place? Because he had made a huge mistake. You see, we're born with kazon, but when God doesn't wrap around it, when it's not given to him, when it's not consecrated, we try to do it in our own power. See, Moses had been in Egypt, and he began to see his own people being oppressed, and he ended up killing an Egyptian, and he had to run away. And he ran far away, and it wasn't until a time after that that he had this experience. You see, his kazon was always there, but it hadn't been consecrated. It hadn't been put into the hands of the Lord. You see, this is the beautiful thing about this passage and why I showed this. If you remember that staff that you see in there, it's really important in Exodus 2 and 3, and if you have a droid or iPhone or iPad or whatever, you can turn to it. Exodus 2 and 3, that plays a huge role in God's calling him. You see, it didn't show it in this video, but God says to Moses, he says, hey Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses is like, it's a staff. He says, throw it down. Remember that he told him to take off his sandals because that was a consecrated ground, holy ground? And Moses throws it to the ground. And later, God says, in, in the same passage, you hear that it's no longer the staff of Moses, it's the staff of God. You see, it's a picture that whatever talents, what other gifts God has dropped in our hands, that he's telling us to throw it down. Because in our own hands, it doesn't accomplish a lot. That staff in Moses' hand doesn't do anything. It doesn't part the Red Sea, but that staff, as the staff of God, parts the Red Sea. It does miracles. It does God-sized things. And we're to throw down our talent, our lives, our passions, our desires, and consecrate it to the Lord, put it in his hands. And he tells us to pick it back up. And that talent becomes his. That gift becomes his. Our life becomes his. It becomes consecrated to him. See, only God can fulfill your true kazon. You know, Moses' mother, her kazon was that she was going to raise this child for the Lord. The Lord told Moses' mom that this was a special child. But at that same time, Pharaoh was killing all the firstborn. And she had to go put him in a basket and sail him off. And they don't show this in the movie. I think it's a very powerful example of this. So Moses goes. Pharaoh's daughter receives Moses, names him Moses. But guess what? Pharaoh's daughter has to find a nanny. And guess who in God's sovereignty that is? Moses' mom. You see, we have to give it to God to get it back to use it for God. It has to be consecrated to the Lord. It has to be given it to Him. There's a, a guy named Chris Tomlin. Have you heard of Chris Tomlin? Like all the worship songs we do are Chris Tomlin. He's so well known, it's crazy. He's the most recognizable voice. Just sing at Night of Joy. It was really cool. I got to hear him. But um, I was listening to a story that Christy Knuckles, who we also do a lot of her songs, was telling about meeting him. And she kind of knew him before God really got a hold of his heart. And she said that Chris Tomlin's whole goal in life was to wear Wranglers and to be the next Tim McGraw. That was it. That was his purpose. But God got a hold of his heart. and He had to make a choice. Do I lay my talent, my gifts down? Do I concentrate them? You see, he could have picked it up and said, no, I go my own way. And maybe he would have been the next Tim McGraw. I don't know. But he's the most recognizable. His songs are sung in different languages around the world. You see, when God gets a hold of our talents and our gifts and our passion, he can do amazing things, God-sized things, only what God can do. There's a, a story. You guys have heard of John Lasseter. He uh, founded Pixar. He wrote Toy Story and Cars. 
He founded it with Steve Jobs of Apple and with Disney. They made, I, I, I will admit it, I love Disney movies. I can say that now because I'm old and I have kids, but I love Disney movies. But Steve Lasser was telling a story after Steve Jobs died. He said, you know, we were really good friends. Steve, he was a very private person. As you know, like, Apple never releases anything. They're secretive and they're really private. And he was saying that often their families would get together and, uh, you know, John and Steve would hang out and stuff. And Steve Jobs, who's very secretive, would always bring over the new stuff that Apple was doing. Like, hey, John, check this out. He's like, this is called an iPad, you know, and like showing him all this stuff. And, and John Lasser is just like, that's amazing. That is so cool. And he's like, man, I just wish I could do that. And Steve's like, you know what? You know, in technology, everything has about a, a five-year shelf life. But John, what you're doing, these movies, they last a lifetime. You see, we're working for eternal purposes, not even a lifetime, for eternal purposes. If we do it in our own strength and our own power, if we don't consecrate, lay down, throw down our gifts to God, it has a shelf life. But when we give it to God, when we throw it down, he can do amazing things, God-sized things, things that last in eternity for eternal purposes. And here's the deal. Some of you this morning may be like, Man, I don't know what my unique fingerprint is, that unique zone, that purpose, that vision. Well, here's a, a thing. If you're a Christ follower, you already have a zone. You may not know what it's uniquely to you, but I bet if you do this, you'll figure it out pretty fast. I told you that Jesus knew his. He said it. What if we took Jesus' purpose, his zone, his vision, and every day you woke up and said, God, help me not to be served, but to serve. Help me to seek and save that which is lost. What if that was your prayer every day? How would that change the places you go when you go to a restaurant, how you treat the server, when you go to work or school or the people you interact with? How would it change you to take on Jesus' kazone, his purpose for your life? And I bet you would find it by doing that, by having a heart that says, God, I'll serve you no matter what. I don't need to know. I, um, when I started off in worship, it was in Phoenix. And um, I didn't even sing. I didn't even know I could sing. I just played guitar, picked songs, led the band. And um, I ended up moving to Florida. My parents moved there, and I was in a weird transition in my life. And I'm like, oh, I could see that side of the country. So I was like, I'll go there. And we moved to Ocala, and my brother was going to a, a church called Church of the Springs, and my family went there. And I, I was just being a, I don't know what it was. I was being a dork, and I was like, I'm not going to go to the same church as my family's going to. I'm going to own my own church. So I was going church shopping around and stuff, and I was reading this book by Henry Blackaby called Created to Be God's Friend. And I was just reading it, and it just hit me. And this sounds cheesy, but this was God speaking to me. He's like, are you my friend? And I just felt him, like, pierce me. And I'm like, God, I want to be your friend. And it would just serve me. And almost like right when that happened, I heard my parents talking about this opportunity to serve at at the Springs, just to go. It was a work day, like we do work days that Brian Lake does all the time. And I'm like, you know, I just want to be your friend, God. I just want to serve you. I don't need to know all that stuff. And I went. And somebody had found out I played guitar, and it was, you know, this guy came walking up to me, and I was like, okay, what's this? And he walks up, and he's like, hey, man, I've been praying on my knees for a long time for a worship leader for the youth, an assistant to work in there with me. And it was just one of those crazy God moments that I'm like, God is speaking to me through you. You see, so much if we just surrendered our desires and said, God, I just want to serve you, we would walk into that unique zone, that unique fingerprint that God has for us. There's another story in John 6 that kind of, along the same lines as this, but Jesus feeds the multitude. And there's different passages of this, and different times he feeds different amounts of multitudes, different instances. But I love it, because they're in this desolate place, 
You know, they've all gone out to hear Jesus' teaching. They're hungry for God's word. They're hungry to hear and learn. And the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, look, it, you know, it's getting crazy late. We're in this desolate place. They're getting hungry. They're going to bum rush the stage. We're going to be, you know, it's going to be bad. This is a bad situation, Jesus. Chaos is erupting. And Jesus says, you feed them. So, you know, of course, on their face, it's like, oh, no. Did he just say that? But there was a little boy, and he had two fish and some loaves. And he brought them to Jesus. And Jesus broke them, and he multiplied. And it broke, he broke them, and it multiplied. You see, it's that same thing. Whatever little thing you have, you may be like, my gift, my talent is insignificant. It's like that little boy. It's not much. But when you bring it to Christ, when you bring it to Jesus, he breaks it and he multiplies it. He's the one that makes it grow. The little boy could have looked around. Oh, they don't have any food. Well, I've got enough for me. I'll eat it and I'll go my way while everyone was starving around him. And we do that so often. We're so critical of ourselves. I don't have this gift. I don't have this personality. I'm not funny enough. I can't teach. I can't... All this stuff. And it's just faith like a child. Come to me whatever insignificant thing it is. Because he can do it. And people are starving around you. You see, that gift is not to highlight us. It's because the multitudes are starving. And God has given you a gift. He's given you a kazone. He's given you a talent. And it's for his purpose and his glory. But we have to bring it to Jesus. I think the key in John 6 is that it's broken. It's a picture of sacrifice. You know, Jesus was broken on the cross to give life. So our lives must be broken. Our talent, our gifts must be broken to give life in his name. It's sacrifice, and that's what it takes. I also think the brokenness speaks to our lives, that there's brokenness in your life. But God wants to use that too. And the multitudes around you are waiting to hear that there's hope. Whether it's whatever you've gone through, divorce or sickness or whatever it is, they're waiting to hear. They are they're fainting. They are, are thirsty and hungry, waiting for you. Will you have faith like a child? Will you bring what little thing you have to God? The other thing I love is that it's Jesus' job to multiply it, not ours. It's simply to come to him and give him whatever it is. And sometimes the way he multiplies, it's just between you and him. And sometimes it's to the church family and sometimes it's to the nations. But it's up to God what he does with it. It's up to the Lord what he wants to do with it. You know, oftentimes I think that God forms us in the secret. You know, you think of Moses before the burning bush. That, why that shepherd's staff was so important? Because it represented who Moses was. He was a leader. He was a shepherd of, of people. Yet he was being a shepherd of sheep. But it was in those quiet places that he learned to lead before he led God's people. David, before he was in the palace as king, he was out on a pasture worshiping God where no one could see, leading sheep before he led God's people. So often the things that God does in our lives are in the secret. And I talk to so many people, they're like, I want to do this in ministry, I want to do this, this, and this. I'm like, whoa, have you built a foundation of just you and God? Because it's so crucial there's times that I can look back, and I haven't done this in a while, really convicted me, but I used to go in my garage, and I'm seriously, for like two hours, just sporadically, I'd have my guitar, and I'd be worshiping God. See, my gift was just for God in that moment. It didn't matter if anybody else heard me, because it was just for Him. That's the way He was multiplying it right then. It was to minister to Him. See, sometimes what He does, He does in the secret. So why is this important? What's well, what Jesus said. You feed them. He was saying this. 
You are the plan. You are that boy. You are Moses. You are the plan. You are God's plan. We're to reveal him to others. We're to reveal him to each other in the church. It's through these gifts and talents that we can hear God's voice. I need you. You need me. That's kind of hard for me to say. Because sometimes I don't believe in myself. And I know you guys probably feel the same way. But God can do amazing things. Whatever is insignificant, you think God can do significant things with it. Trust him. Believe in him. So there's a, a book called The Acts. And um, I remember, I'm going off a tangent, but I remember doing a, a, a vacation Bible school. I don't know why I was doing it. It was that thing about serving. And I was just like, I'll serve. But I remember like, telling like, the little kids, they were like, like seven, I'm like, all right, we're going to look at the book of Acts. And they're like, Acts, Acts. Like the whole time I'm like, I couldn't get them back in to like, tell them, like, no, this is the story. So, whoa. So anyway, um, but in that story, there is a, uh, this lady and her name is Dorcas. I'm sorry for her. I, that's not a good thing. Have you ever heard of that song? It's an old song. It's called A Boy Named Sue. It's, uh, if you, have you read the lyrics to that song? It's about this dad that names his boy Sue before he even knows if he's tough or not so that he'll get in a bunch of fights and be tough. I'm like, that's messed up, man. But then I got to thinking, I was like, you know, for you future fathers, if you don't want people messing with your daughters, you name her Dorcas. So they stay away. Dorcas Stiverson. Some of you are like, yeah, you're a dork. So, but anyways, there's this amazing story. And actually, her name is Tabitha. But it is Dorcas, but it could be called Tabitha too. So anyways, but the apostles come to a certain town, and they hear about this woman. And apparently, she would just love the poor. And she loved telling people about Jesus. But she had passed away. So they go to her funeral. And at her funeral, all these people come in, and they're just weeping, and they're holding up something. They're holding up all these clothes that she had sewn together and made them. Look what she made me. Look what she did for me. I'm telling you this because for, for Tabitha, for Dorcas, her, her, her thing, her passion was to sew. Her spiritual gift was serving. And she wanted people to know about Jesus. That's insignificant to us. I'm like, sewing? I don't want to sew. But it was her passion and she used it for Jesus. What is your passion? You may think it's small or insignificant, but God can do significant things. It's all about heart. We need to discover that fingerprint. You see, we all end up somewhere, but few of us end up somewhere on purpose. Where are you headed? God has kazone that he wants to draw out of you. Will you let him do that? Will you throw down whatever it is, your jobs? Some of you are like, I can't fulfill my kazone because I have a dead-end job. Well, guess what? Paul was a tent maker. He used his job as leverage for the kingdom of God. How can you use your job for that? You see, we all end up somewhere, but few of us end up somewhere on purpose. You are a son and daughter. You are a son and daughter. So often we down ourselves so much, but God has fearfully, wonderfully, creatively made you to serve his purpose. Stop criticizing yourself. We need to begin to turn that to gratefulness, to thank God for what he's given us and what he hasn't given us. Because he knows what's best for us. He knows what our true desires are. We're like, no, God, this is what I want to do, list. And he's like, no, I, I really know your heart. Follow me. 
and I'll give you the desires of your heart. You see in the Psalms, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And on first reading, you're like, oh, so if I do this, I'll get this. That's not what it's saying. It's saying open yourself to God. Put him first. Seek his desire, and you'll find your desires are one and the same, and he'll lead you. The only way I can picture it is this way. Music is in waves. Sound is in waves. And when you're tuning a guitar to the same pitch, two strings, you can hear it, and you can almost visually see it. But when it's out of tune, it's going like this. And the more in tune you do it, it's going like this until it's in tune. That's what this verse is saying. When you're in tune with God, the one who planted desire in your heart will draw that out. And it will be exactly what you truly longed for, what you truly desired. Some of you guys here today are like, I don't even know Christ. I don't even have purpose. Well, purpose isn't this far off thing. Purpose is a relationship. Jesus is purpose. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I don't need to have something written on paper necessarily. It's about following Jesus. It's about his heart. So often, even for for believers, sometimes we're like, man, if I was just doing this gift, sometimes God doesn't allow us to to do our gift because he wants our heart. He doesn't want anything before himself. But maybe you don't know Jesus today. He's the one that has given you purpose. Our, Our Father in heaven has created you fearfully and wonderfully. You're made. He knew you, and he wants to know you now. Sin separates us from God, but Jesus was broken to give us life. He's broken to give you life. He knew you when he was on the cross being broken so you could have life. If you just bow your heads and the band can come up, if you just close your eyes, every, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus today, he is calling you to follow him. He's calling you to invite him in. He's the Lord and Savior of all the world. And there's nothing you could do to earn his love. There's nothing bad that you've ever done that could separate you from his love. He shed his own blood for you. So not saying this out loud, just praying to yourself. I just want to lead you through a prayer. And again, just say this to yourself. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I need your purpose. Come into my life. Pour your Holy Spirit on me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And guys, maybe some of you are believers. You've been Christians a while. Maybe you even know a little bit of your zone. But life has happened. And you're tired, and you're weary, and you want to give up. See, I think that's why Jesus knew his zone so well, could state it so well. Because there was times he was thirsty. There was times he was hungry. There was times that anxiety was so great in him, he sweat blood. But he went back to what he had to do. It says that when they were nearing Jerusalem, he set his heart and mind resoundly on going forward, knowing he would die. You see, that purpose keeps us on track when we're weary and tired. So I just want to pray a blessing over you. If you'll just, again, close your eyes. God, I pray for those who are weary, broken, those who just need to hear from you again that you've called them. And that call is irrevocable. I just pray for your Holy Spirit's power in their lives of renewal, of refreshing, that your spirit would come. If there's any sin that's hindered us from serving you, God, I pray for you to wash us with the blood, Lord. 
We're counting on you, God. You alone are our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys stand with me and let's continue to worship.